Hello, I'm Somia Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher, author, filmmaker, and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is G-Money, a crypto native entrepreneur and investor who is one of the most influential people in the crypto and NFT space right now. G-Money is the creator of Admit One, a collection of a thousand NFTs that give you access to his Discord. After this recording, G and I had a long conversation off the record about the things that he was not yet ready to discuss on the recording. All I can say is that he has big plans for Admit One. And as a holder of one of his NFTs, I'm super excited to be part of this journey with him. He's also promised me that he will come back on the podcast to explain more about what he's doing in the fashion and lifestyle area very soon. So without further ado, let's listen to this conversation with G Money. I am both a member of Proof and uh, Admit One, and a lot of people have had uh, questions as well. And so I'm, I'm going to build those into uh, the conversation that we are going to have. But also, um, I wanted to first start with um, why you started uh, Admit One, because, um, you know, I uh, discovered it uh, on Overpriced JPEGs when you were uh, talking to Cardi. And I was like, OK, this sounds very interesting. And then I, uh, I hadn't heard anything about it before. So then I went and checked it out. And then I asked Seneca, I was like, uh, do you know anything about this? And he said, um, yeah, G uh, is is great. I think he's doing some great stuff in the in the space. So so a lot of people who are in proof also they have been asking, you know, how is it going in that Discord? What's what's happening? Should we buy? Should we you know join? So I thought that it would be a very good opportunity for you to tell us a little bit about what uh, why you started it. What are your plans with it? And um, yeah, where where are you going with Admin One? Yeah, so you know, you're, it's it's funny you you asked me for kind of a quasi roadmap, which I've I, I've been very cognizant of, of not sharing. I you know the reason why I started Admit One was because I know of the cool things that I'm working on uh, that are coming in the pipeline, uh, and I want to have a community that can uh, take part in those cool opportunities um, that I think are coming that I'm excited about. You know, I I worked with Adidas uh, last year and help them uh, launch their their NFT project into the metaverse. And I think that that's been doing really well. And I think the reception in the market and the plans that they have, uh, I'm excited about whenever I see the roadmap. But then when I take a look at like all the other cool opportunities that are out there, I really knew that I would like to have a, a group that is kind of like, that feels the same way, just the same way I do about the space and about how important the technology is and how important it is to onboard um, you know, the masses, whether it be uh, major brands or just, you know, your neighbor, right? And how important this technology is for the future. And that's really why I started the community, right? I, you know, I, I can only leave it at that for now. Uh, I do have plans that uh, I've been working on for, you know, over a year at this point, you know, when, when I set out to build the community in and of itself, uh, I decided it, you know, like in March, April of last year or so, this was a slow, long and deliberate process uh, and I didn't want to rush it. Uh, doing it in the depths of a bear market is actually, I think, better than in a bull market because I think in a bull market, everyone is very focused on price and, you know, what are you going to do uh, to send the price up and this and that. And so to me, it's like, I know that a lot of, the, you know, cool stuff takes time, right? Like to really do really cool and innovative things and it doesn't happen overnight. And that's partly why I distributed it for free 
was because I wanted a community that wasn't necessarily that focused on, oh, like I bought it at X, I want to sell it at 3X or 4X or whatever. Um, that to me is more important of creating that community. I think you, uh, you know, as a member of the community, you've probably seen that in the Discord. Like I'm in a bunch of Discords. Like I think the Discord in Admit One is pretty wholesome and like good and like, you know, everybody's helping each other and you have, you know, everything from, you know, founders of big DeFi projects to, you know, people that this is their first NFT. So that to me is really exciting because I really do think that, you know, it, it really is like when you think about it and you think about disruption uh, in at any level throughout history, it's not just like an engineer uh, like thinks of something cool. It's like, you know, a lot of different diverse backgrounds, right? Like even take a look at Apple, right? And like Steve Jobs, he was a multidisciplinary student and he studied so many different things. And that's why Apple was able to do what it did, right? And I think getting a really diverse group of people together from artists to engineers, to founders, to investors, I think is really cool for perspective as well as for really pushing the space and innovating. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So this brings um, two things in my mind. Uh, one is that um, with regards to the price, you know, yes, you had a um, free mint, um, but like a lot of people like myself, for example, I bought it at 15 ETH, right? Like I bought it at the top and I don't think it has gone any higher than that. So for a lot of people who are thinking of buying in now, they are, um, they are wanting to know, um, you know, where you're going with it. And, and of course, um, one thing that's really interesting is that this dynamic of, you know, you buy something um, like a token and then essentially it's like you're investing in that entrepreneur and, and that entrepreneur tells you, look, I have plans, just take my word for it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's coming. Yeah. And then you have to put your trust in them and kind of like wait. And this space is not very patient. You know, like this, this has, this is, I, I've seen it, you know, over and over, especially now with things like these, let's say, degen drops that are being dropped every day where people buy something and they're like, okay, in two, two days time, in, in a week time, that thing is completely forgotten most of the time. Um, so people are getting conditioned to wanting you know, something to happen constantly. Um, so as a founder and as, a, as an entrepreneur, how do you deal with that? You know, you mentioned Apple, like that's, that's a very good example, I think, of Steve Jobs, you know, just sort of sticking to his guns and, and saying like, this is what we're going to do and not necessarily pandering to anybody's, you know, pressures. But in this new market that is being develop you know in a, in a way you could see this in the nft space it's even worse than social media because you know you're constantly expected to deliver yeah i mean i think there's there's definitely pressure uh i think uh the price is has gone up more than i you know ever imagined it would especially at the outset you know um i was very very upfront saying that there would never be a roadmap Right. Uh, for this, you know, I come from public markets. I was trading equities for professionally for 15 plus years. Like no company ever gives you a roadmap. Right. So, you know, people in the NFT space are conditioned to roadmaps because roadmaps were something that happened during the bull market where, uh, you know, people would put out collections and the collection, the price wouldn't go up. So then they were like, oh, we're going to build a roadmap. 
And that's really the genesis of roadmaps, right? Is where, you know, people trying to uh, create promises and then deliver on them in the future. That's legit what a roadmap is. But when you look at, you know, all the publicly traded companies out there, like Nike doesn't tell you what their plan is for the next year. Like, are you kidding me? Like they have competition out there. Like no real business out there gives a roadmap, right? As an investor, as somebody that is a collector, you have to, you know, you're, I think I have a reputation in the space and people know that I've executed. I personally think that I've done uh, really cool stuff in the past. And I do think that my best work lies ahead of me. And so this was kind of my way to get my community involved. So, you know, I, I do think that, uh, people in the space have really short uh, timeframes and, you know, they really, uh, you know, like you said, like are, are looking for one to three days out and that's fine. That's not, that's not a member I want in my community, right? Because I'm not here to, you know, make a quick buck and, you know, for somebody to pump the price and, you know, like I, I, I very much discourage uh, price talk in Discord. We don't even have a sales bot because I don't want people talking about price because to me, the price is irrelevant because I think over time that there will be enough value created that people will be really happy uh, that they're part of the community. That's so helpful. And I really love what you said about the fact that in um, the usual, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the typical, the non-Web3 space, nobody tells you what their roadmap is. Um, uh, and a lot of times they may not even have it because it's something that it develops as they go along. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, when I started in Peak, it actually started as FemPeak and it was going to be mostly focused on women, which is something that I want to talk to you about as well. And then I noticed that there just aren't enough women in the space and uh, it wasn't scalable and I couldn't build, um, you know, around around uh, just women. And um uh, the things that we were teaching were not necessarily just focused on women anyway, like we were teaching everything to do with Web3. So it, it just didn't make sense that we would, um, you know, limit ourselves to uh, just a subset of, um, you know, humanity, um, <laughs> and especially in a market where there just aren't enough women. And I don't know whether in the long run, whether this will be, this is something that will be solved. And I want to talk to you about that. But but that just goes to show that you know you're not uh, you're not able to have a roadmap and stick to it, and that that can be debilitating as a you know as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. To, to your point, I think anybody you know, I, I think we if you've been in the space for more than two months, you know how quickly it moves, and you know how how versatile you have to be. Right, you have to be able to pivot as the market changes, and you know there it you know as the mar- like you know. When I started working on this community back in January, like really, really working on, you know, the details of it and the launch and, and how I would do distribution and stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, Ethereum, I think was above $2,500. It might've been above $3,000, right? And so here we are now, it's, you know, 70, 80% lower from the highs. And it's a very, very different market. If I wanted to execute um, the plan that I had back then, like it would be tone deaf, right? So it's very much, you know, and I think any founder in, in any business, whether it's crypto or not, you can't, it's it's good to have like a line of sight of this is where I want to end up. Yeah. But like how you get there is going to be different because of changing market conditions and, and what have you. Exactly. So with that, actually, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to take your advice and, and consultation on, on what I'm doing. So when you're, you're saying, for example, that you have to have the end goal in sight, 
Um, but then so the way I see it is like, let's say you, you know that you are going to get from London to New York, you know, but then uh, from here on, you only, your eyes have to be only on the next 200 meters. Um, what I'm trying to build here with, uh, with Impeak is a platform which is kind of like an educational platform, uh, unlike anything else in the sense of um, being completely uh, inclusive and being completely up to date all the time. So one of the biggest problems with this space is that it's moving so fast. And I believe that we are moving uh, towards a um, technological singularity. So the speed is going to just uh, increase and increase. So there's no uh, form of education. So for example, recorded courses or um, you know things like university, don't even think about it. Like imagine trying to teach these things that are happening in the NFT space in the university. By the time you create a curriculum, the time has passed and you know things have changed. So like, for example, something like marketing. I've always been saying for the past few years that there's no point in doing a marketing degree because whatever you learn by the time you come out of university, that's all past, right? So what I'm building is a platform that eventually is going to have 24 sessions a day, every hour of the day, 24 sessions, seven days a week, every hour of the day, different you know, educators coming in explaining everything to do with emerging technologies as it happens, you know, like explaining, say, the bear market of 2022, this is how it's different from other bear markets, this is where we are now, this is what we are going to do, you know, this is this is what the, the pulse of the market is right now, you know, we are going to build this way, and, and then over time, we want to um, expand that to other areas of emerging technology as well. But to begin with, it's mostly focused on, um, you know, Web3, um, NFT, crypto, uh, you know, financial markets, all that stuff. And uh, we want it to, uh, to be in different languages for different time zones. This is something that's never been done before. And um, it's all online. And then it all gets recorded. So, so we run the sessions constantly. And then it gets recorded, goes into our on-demand section. People can see it. And uh, they can watch it, you know, uh, if they can't uh, capture it on that at that specific time. So right now we have about four or five sessions a week. So it's like, you know, one a day uh, on weekdays. And I've also experimented with week, weekends sometimes. So at some point we were running about eight to ten a week. And then because the bear market I pulled back a little bit to kind of figure out, you know, what's what's happening. So uh, that's what we are building. And then uh, we are going to be releasing an NFT um, and the NFT will give people specific perks. So there's like a, uh, a subscription model and then the, the NFT will give people specific perks. For example, I want to build a studio where we do these podcast interviews in person and people can, can come in and there will be like a, you know, seating you know, where people can come in and, and be there and, and only NFT holders can uh, you know get access to that or the nft holders are the ones who get access to the discord or you know the closer level of access you know than everybody else yeah i would love to know your your thoughts on that business model and an idea um yeah no i think that's really interesting i definitely <laughs> think it's needed uh off the top of my head you know i think there are some people that that definitely have this idea of me of being maybe like a a crypto a 24-hour crypto news network which I think will exist at some point, but I don't think uh, to th you're taking that one step further, right? Which I think is really cool because, you know, you like, as you talk about emerging tech, it's like crypto is one of them, but then it's like life extension and space exactly. exploration exactly. and, you know, yeah. renewable energy and all this cool stuff that like, personally, like, I don't have the time to know about, but if there was like 
a cool a, a place that where I can go and be like, all right, I watch this show once a week, right? Or like a half hour every day and I get caught up on what's happening in, you know, some field that I don't know about. I, I find that super valuable. I think that that's really yeah. cool. I think, um, did you say that you wanted to do something with subscriptions or with NFTs? Both. I definitely think that you should uh, go both, right? Because yes. the problem I, I've seen that, you know, and even, you know, with Admit One, and this is why I put an end date of three years from now, because it was like, if it's a subscription model, and I've seen this so many times where people have sold an NFT or people <laughs> have sold a token, and then all of a sudden that gives you lifetime access, like, it, it just, it, and it just like goes against the wanting to build the community, right? Because then as the, as the creator, right, you want people to trade it so that you can generate income, but you also want to have a, a good and stable community, right? I, you know, I think NFTs are just so new that people are just learning how to use the tech. So you just see people running through these iterations. And I, I personally think what, what would make sense in that model is probably a subscription that people pay. Uh, and you can either do that a web two or web three subscription, but then also an NFT that's like a VIP club of sorts where it gets you access, you know, and this, these are all things that I considered with admit one, right. Where it's like, you know, uh, I did an AMA a few weeks ago in the discord uh, where we were discussing the fed rate uh, decision, right. Because I have a finance background. I got a couple of my friends from trading to sit there and discuss it. Uh, and, you know, you at least have some sort of a professional opinion uh, that I have an edge that I can now, you know, provide to my community. And, you know, I didn't think that there would be that many people that showed up. And like, we had, I think 150 or 200 people that showed up, you know, wow. in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we didn't even really discuss it. You know, I didn't tweet about it till maybe like an hour before, because it was like a kind of a last second thing. But I was like, oh, you know, having something like that, you know, um, doing AMAs, uh, giving maybe, allowing people to watch recordings live and maybe ask questions uh, once a week or something like that. I think that that's like those perks like that is what you go to the, like the VIP tier uh, mm -hmm. and you create kind of like this, you know, uh, more of a, um, a tight knit community around that. And then you have people that are just like, Oh, I just want the subscription. Um, and I'm not sure I want to be partaking in the community to start. And you can go that route, which is the cheaper route. Yeah, and also right now already, uh, all of our events are um, live and, and people can participate. Like there's always a, a live audience and people can ask questions live. Um, but then we can take that to a whole new level of like, you know, then you get also the Discord access and, um, and that additional kind of support to answer your questions, um, you know, even after you have watched it. But yes, yeah, so you mentioned about Web 2 and Web 3 subscription. How do they differ? Uh, so yeah, so uh, Web2 subscription is what we know. You put in your credit card and, you know, you get billed monthly. Web3 uh, is like streaming from your wallet real time. So like if let's say you pay $30 a month for something, right? So that's a dollar a day uh, and you will stream that $30 over the course of that month continuously every second. So then uh, if let's say I sit down and I'm like, all right, on the 15th of the month, and then, you know, I cancel it or the 13th or whatever. On um, the 13th of the month, I cancel it. Then I only pay 30. I only pay up until the second that I cancel it. But then my access is revoked, right? So then what does that do? You know, there's um, a company, a protocol that I invest in called Superfluid. I invested in them last year. 
and they they do this right it's uh streaming payments on chain so that um because the issue with web 2 right is one is you uh i could i could one dispute it right as the customer and you know then we have that dis dispute claim uh two is i also get charged you know that final month so i get charged for some time that i don't use it but then also three is there's you know there's some sort of net 30 net 60 payday for you as uh the uh as the vendor where you get paid from the credit card processor right and so like there's a lot of these things that kind of like uh, a lot of trade finance comes in at that right where people will finance you know your your terms and and all this stuff uh and there's a lot of commerce that happens there but like it doesn't need to necessarily happen there right and if i'm streaming payments directly to you for services rendered up until the second that i cancel it then like that is like the cleanest thing possible right and and so that's kind of like web3 streaming and i think we're in the really early days of that that's amazing for us i think it's at the moment um, using the web two model works, works better because a lot of people who are coming into our platform don't even have a wallet yet, but I can see that, uh, second model being really good for people who are already in the web three space who have a wallet. I can see that being super uh, helpful. So this, this is great. I learned something new there. <laughs> so I'm just looking here at some of the other things that people have asked. One was about gratitude. Why is it important to have gratitude uh, in the in a Discord group, and and why do you in general encourage the idea of thinking about gratitude? Yeah, because I think you know, especially you know, when it comes to you know, I come from a business where the only the only thing was focused on making money, right? Yeah. So uh, whether I had a good day or a bad day at work was determined by how much I made or how much I lost. And so it, it's very emotionally taxing to, to be in a business like that. Like trading, I think, is one of the most emotionally taxing things out there because you could work hours and like lose a ton of money, uh, even though you could have been right. Like there's just so many things out of your control. And it's just really a disciplined practice of focusing on the things that you can control. And, you know, one of the things, and I, I remember years ago, I, I used to listen to this podcast. I forgot what the podcast was, but at the end of the podcast, uh, the interviewer would always ask him, um, what, you know, what, what are the things that you think have led to your success? And, you know, he would always be asking very high performing individuals, top of their field, no matter what fields they were in. And almost all of them were, uh, they all said practicing gratitude, right. Of, you know, wanting to achieve more, but also being happy with what you have and being grateful with what you have. Uh, and, you know, that gratitude mindset. And I remember like, you know, after hearing it like seven or eight times, over the course of like maybe like 10 podcasts, I was like, okay, like, let me like Google it. And, you know, I think Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot. There's a lot of really well-known podcasters that talk about gratitude. And I just started practicing gratitude where, you know, uh, you know, I write, wake up every morning, write down five things that I'm grateful for. Uh, and I, you know, I try to do that every day still at the very least one, right. One thing that I'm grateful for, even if you're having a terrible day, you know, there's always, you know, you're alive and breathing, right? You felt, you felt the warmth of the sun. There, there's so many things that you can be grateful for, but really having that uh, attitude of being grateful for things, it's like leads to that mindset of abundance, which kind of brings more opportunities to you. And I know that for me, it really kind of changed my perspective on life when I started adopting things like that, where I went from uh, being a much, uh, let's say, less... Uh, uh, less, I wasn't as happy, 
right? I just want, like, I, you know, I was, I had achieved a ton of financial success, you know, on paper, my life was great, but I wasn't as happy as I wanted to be. And part of that was because, you know, I wasn't as grateful for the things that I did have, because I was, I was always like, oh, well, more, more, more comparing to others and all these things when it's like, you know, you, man, I, I think I read it yesterday, where it's like, you know, the, the number one thing to not be happy is just to compare, make a comparison, right? Like, you know, because it's like you, there's always going to be somebody that has more or better of something. Uh, but if you can learn to be grateful with what you have, then, you know, you'll be an infinitely happier person. So that for me has been uh, my driving factor for that. You know, I, the only reason I don't post uh, a gratitude post every day on Twitter is because I don't want to spam people. So I figure, you know, once a week, on Sunday is good enough. And then I remember I posted it one Sunday and we had this exact conversation in the discord. And I was happy in the sense that like, there were other people that were like, oh yeah, like I practice gratitude as well. And it wasn't even my suggestion to start the discord, uh, the gratitude channel in the discord. It was like two or three other members. And I was like, fuck yeah, like, let's do it. Like, you know, this is something I very much believe in. And I think it also leads to like the good vibe in the discord where, you know, people are like helping each other get onto allow lists. And, you know, if somebody doesn't know something like it's just, I think it's an overall positive vibe. That's very, very different than most vibes I see in most discords. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. I love that. So G, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Like you were American or you are American? Yeah, I'm American. Um, I, my parents are immigrants from South America, uh, from my dad is from Uruguay. My mom is from Ecuador. And I grew up in a suburb outside of New York City. And, you know, I was, I was always interested in the stock market from like a really young age. And I got it, you know, I started investing when I was 14 years old. I had uh, some scholarship money for high school and I made a deal with my parents that the money that they would have ended up uh, spending on my tuition to let me invest. And that was in 1996. And I bought a bunch of internet stocks. I rode them all the way up. And then I didn't sell anything and I rolled them all the way back down. Oh. And, you know, that, and, but that was like a really, that was a learning for me. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, that was super important for me when I got into crypto, you know, uh, you know, 17 years later, 15 years later, because I remember in 2017, when, when I started buying Ethereum uh, in Q1 of 2018, it just felt very frothy. It reminded me so much of the dot-com bubble. And I was like, the tech is real. It's here to stay. It's going to change the world but it's still too early. Right. And it's like, do I want to sit around? You know, I had a, a good business trading equities uh, at that point. And I was like, I could stick around and stay, stay around through the bear market, or I could go back uh, to trading equities, keeping an eye on crypto and then really come into the space uh, afterwards. And, you know, I did, I came back in 2020 uh, in full force. And when I found NFTs in August of 2020, it, it really made sense to me right away. Yeah. Because I was I was playing Fortnite at the beginning of quarantine and, you know, all the kids were running around like buying skins. I was like, wow, there's going to be this massive super cycle here uh, of that kid 10 years from now. He's going to be totally OK with owning a purely digital asset and he's going to have his own money to spend on it. And, and that to me, I was like, wow, all right, we're on like the precipice of really this breaking out. You know, I thought it would take five to seven years. Uh, and then, you know, lo and behold, crypto tech you started making cool stuff within two years, right? And so uh, to me, and, and the reason why I really dive 
dove headfirst into the NFT space was because for me, NFTs are the Trojan horse that's going to take crypto technology mainstream, right? In the sense that, you know, everybody uh, knows what the stock market is, right? But not everybody trades stocks, right? Uh, and the same thing happens with, you know, uh, your ERC-20 tokens, right? Your fungible tokens, where not everybody is driven by money games and wants to sit in front of a computer, yield farming and trading and doing all this stuff all day. But there's, you know, things that humans do understand is collecting. They understand art. They understand community, right? Because that's literally, you know, if you look at, you don't even need to show a child how to collect something or how to draw something, right? Like it's something that we innately understand. And so to me, it's like, you know, as this, these are the things that will take the technology mainstream because at some point people will say, people won't say, oh, I want that NFT. They're going to say, I want that, you know, digital wearable. And it will just so happen to be an NFT for the same reason, right? When we go to a website right now, we don't say, oh, like, you know, I connected to the TCP IP, blah, 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 like all that technical jargon that we don't know how to operate. Like, you know, I can just go onto Facebook and like a photo, right? And at some point it's going to get that easy. And we're at the beginning of, of that all being made right now. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, one of the things I do, I, um, we're working with different companies, um, you know, even large banks and um, law firms thinking about wanting to come into this space. Um, and uh, I recently had a presentation at a, a very large bank and um, the people were asking me about where do NFTs get their value? You know, what's, what, um, what's the valuation model? Um, you know, they're looking for a t- tangible way of understanding why a certain NFT is worth, for example, if you say your Moonbird is worth this much, why is it worth this much or your punk, you know, etc. cetera. Um, so then I started a, a little squad of uh, us uh, in proof and actually a couple of people from Admit One also joining in. And we are working on figuring out how to explain to people how NFTs are valued. Um, do you think that at some point we will get to a place where this will be something that will be solidified, like a model, like, you know, how right now there is like a rough model of how you value a company, you know, like right. a startup, you know, starts yeah. and they, they haven't had any, you know, any, like the, the company that I'm building, we've already raised our pre-seed fund at 25 million pound valuation, but, um, you know, but we are a startup. Yeah, it, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that um, just like in the real world, every NFT will have a different valuation model. So it won't be something that's standardized across the space, right? So when I first, right, like everything in the real world is an NFT, right? So the way you value your chair is different than the way you value your computer, which is different than the way you value your art on your wall, which is the way different than you value your mortgage, right? And so all, but all those things are NFTs. And I think the same thing will happen uh, in the NFT space, right? Where it's like, okay, punks will derive their value because of, these certain conditions. Uh, something like proof moonbirds will derive their value because of these set of conditions, right? Like I think we can all agree that you're not necessarily, even admit one, right? You're not necessarily buying admit one because of the art behind it, right? You're buying it because of the perceived utility behind it. And the same thing with moonbirds and the same thing with proof. But that's very different valuation metric than the way you would value a crypto bump, right? And so I, I think that 
you know, there's going to be different verticals for, you know, the way you value art is a certain way, the way you value an auto loan is another way, right? And I think as, let's say, mortgages come on chain, there will be, and th those are easy valuations, right? Like if something has cash flow, you just DCF it and it's really easy to come up to with a net present value of it, right? The hard stuff is, you know, you know, why is a board ape worth $100,000? Why is, um, you know, some artist worth X, right? Um, and, but that's just like the market, right? That's just like the same, for the same reason that uh, Y is a Warhol worth X and a Picasso worth Y, right? Uh, these are all things that like, you know, if you want to, if you wanted to standardize even valuations across art, I don't even know if there is a standard valuation across art, right? It's more like, I think a lot of these pieces are so rare and so sought after that when they come for sale, you have to have the money and be re willing, ready, and able to buy it. And that's in the art world, right? But I do think that we're probably going to have a bunch of different valuation models. And I think at some point, NFTs will no longer be classified as NFTs. We'll be calling them like, you know, like a digital shirt or like a digital pillow or, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I think NFTs, that's like calling a category NFTs. It's like calling everything in the real world, like something, right? It's like, oh, this is something. Right. And so, yeah, it's like, but we need to be a little more specific, right? Because I can't sit there at the dinner table and say, hey, can you pass me the something? Because there's, you know, a hundred somethings in, in front of us. Right. So I, I do think that we're probably going to get some more, uh, some much more uh, granularity. Yeah. Granularity to, to what something is specifically. And then that will be able to lead us to the breakdowns of valuations, I think. Okay. This is super helpful because now we're like, well, we started brainstorming this thing and it, it's so difficult it's like you know where do you start so another one of the questions um i had here somebody said lucky ninja from uh i think he's from admit one he said mm -hmm. um if you had to start over again with nothing literally nothing but your clothes and uh, like a hundred dollars what country, city, state, town would you choose and why? And um, before you answer that, this is what I told him. Your question, uh, you know, presumes that somebody has the um, choice of where to live. Like, for example, in my case, uh, I actually, I think I sent you an email as well when I was very, very upset. I, um, I was trying to get to NFDNYC and I was denied an ESTA because uh, I was born in Iran, even though I'm a British citizen. And it seems mm -hmm. to be a new rule that was in, put in place by uh, President Trump that has actually been not overturned after Biden and it's still in place. So in 2017, I went to New York to interview Gary Vaynerchuk for my um, documentary. I didn't need a visa, I, I just got an ESTA. But now uh, I need a visa to get in to get to America, and uh, I've applied for one, and they've given me an appointment for January 2023. It's like seven months from now, you know, right? That's, this is like quite ridiculous considering that I'm now a British citizen. But because I was born in Iran, you know, like I have this limitation. So this question is very, very interesting question, and and it just goes to show the level of going back to that gratitude, the level of lack of understanding that a lot of us have about where we come from and, and the things that we already have in our lives. Like, for example, being born an American is so different than being born an Iranian, because that's something that even if no matter how much achievement you have in life, that's still in my passport that I was born in Tehran. And that's mm -hmm. always going to be something that holds me back because of that. Even though I spent $140,000 to buy a 
proof passed, I couldn't get to the proof, uh, you know, lab party. party right? right, right. No, I mean, that makes total sense, right? And I think, you know, it, it's funny because as I, I sit here and I think about it, it's like, honestly, like anywhere in America, right? I'm so grateful that I was born in America, that my parents Im immigrated to America and were able to immigrate to America, right? Because they were, you know, in South America and especially at the time that they went, uh, America had more of an open borders policy, right? And so that they were able to go through the process. My mom, I think it took my mom like 20 years to end up becoming a US citizen, right? Because she only had a green card. And, you know, she, I remember when I was a kid, you know, she had a green card and then she ended up becoming an actual US citizen, I think sometime after I was born. Uh, but my dad came at a time and there was a, a shortage in the workforce. And so, you know, they were granting anybody US citizenship because they needed more workers, right? And so that, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I was born in the United States. And honestly, if I had to, to pick anywhere to be born and, you know, with nothing and start over again, it would honestly be New York City. Like I, I love New York so much. I, I lived in Manhattan for 13 years and, you know, I, I saved nothing, right? Like, and that's partly why I ended up moving, um, you know, five years ago. Uh, but I ended up uh, moving because the cost of living there is really expensive, but the experiences that I had uh, living there are like things that I'm gonna carry with me for the rest of my life. And I just think there's really no city in the world that's like New York in terms of, experiencing other cultures and being able to do stuff at almost any time of the day. And, you know, be, I, I like comedy shows, like I like comedians. So like being able to go to a comedy show any night of the week and be able to see like pretty good stand-up comedy, right? Uh, which is not a luxury you have in most cities in America, let alone on, in the world. So to me, it's like, you know, just stuff like that, you know, access to amazing food and amazing people. Uh, I think that the experiences that I got there have really helped me uh, for everything else in my life. But yeah, like I, I couldn't be a, a bigger fan of New York. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I always, you know, imagine myself wanting to live in New York at some point. But um, uh, nowadays I have concerns because of now there's a gun thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and also the other thing is obviously they're not very crypto friendly and you know in the in this uh, space that we are on we are in right mm -hmm. now but in general um, new york is an incredible place and you know uh, so so that would be your answer that's that's very yeah. good and also and and i'll just add one more thing and the reason why i choose new york over a city like london because i think london has a lot of the same qualities that new york does but new york is just very compact in the sense that like I can get from like downtown to uptown in like 20 minutes on the subway. Yeah. And the last time I was in London, I remember like I'd be, I'd be in a cab for like 40 minutes going from like West London to East London. And I'm like, by the time I get there, I'm like, wow, I'm tired. I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it's yeah. just such a large city that it, it's really hard to get from place to place. Yeah, and there is a tube, but it's not great. Uh, right, yeah. Public transport isn't great here. Um, yeah. So uh, another person said, it would be cool if you could ask him uh, in which intensity he was forced to upgrade his tech skills um, with the journey in Web3 and how did, how did you, so yeah, so essentially, you know, you went from that kind of stock market and, um, you, you know, financial background, how, how much uh, time did you put into learning about Web3 um, and how quickly did you have to learn? Right. So I'm not, I'm not a developer for sure. Right. I think I've always been 
uh, a futurist. Um, I've always been interested in new technology. Ever since I was a little kid, I remember when, you know, we got computers uh, in my house for the first time, like I would be on the internet in like, you know, IRC chats, like trying to download like the CDs and music and like software and all this stuff, like kind of like, you know, really like, like technical stuff. And I would like try to figure it out even from a little kid, but I was never a programmer. Uh, I remember uh, I learned how to uh, how to program in Python a few years ago, maybe like seven or eight years ago. I took a course on I think it was uh, Udacity, and it was like a thirty day course, and or what it may have been like a two or three month course, and I did it in a month because I really wanted to learn. Uh, I I never did it. I think I wrote one or two scripts or worked as back when I was still trading. I wrote like one or two scripts, but you know, it was just a better use of my time to hire a developer to actually do it rather than do it on my own. But I actually like began, like I actually understood like the syntax of coding, whether or not I could code on my own was a different thing. Uh, I never did anything with that afterwards, but like, I'm sure if I, if I can see a, if I can look at a Python code, like I can at least understand a little bit, but I know without a doubt, I have no dev skills whatsoever. Um, for me, I think one of the things that I just understand how like the tech works, even though I don't understand how to implement it. Right. So it's like, I understand why NFT tech is important. I understand, you know, uh, the actual, um, you know, the mechanisms of how things work, but I don't know how to actually code it. And that to me is really just like learning from people smarter than me and like not being afraid to ask questions uh, and, you know, not being afraid to sound dumb, right? Because I don't think there are any dumb questions because somebody, you know, if I don't understand it and somebody helps me understand it, then maybe I can add value and be like, oh, well, what if you did it this way, right? And, you know, that's, again, like that's where that creativity of new ideas comes in and having different perspectives is what leads to that like explosion of creative ideas. Amazing. So, okay, as a last question, um, I see that uh, most of the questions I had written here from the community was about um, Agnet One, and uh, yeah. you uh, pretty much explained that you said that just wait, it's coming utility, mm-hmm. because they're basically yeah, like when utility, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, do you want to maybe give us a like a rough timeline of when we will see one of your um, master plans, uh, you know, coming to fruition? Um, I don't want to give a rough timeline. Uh, I know it's hopefully soon, but you know, they're, they're like anything in life, they're keep being delays. And I, I don't want to commit to a certain time frame and not put out something that I'm totally, completely happy to put my name on just because I want to uh, be committed to a certain date. Um, I just know I'm working on cool things. I have a lot of cool ongoing conversations. I'm excited with the things that I'm doing. Um, I just, again, I don't want to commit to to dates um, just because I, I don't want to be held to those and, you know, people like trying to hit deadlines just to hit deadlines to save face when I want to focus on being able to put out the best quality product that I can. Yeah, I think this is what uh, we should teach the people <laughs> who are trying to do the merge, right? Like, don't yeah. give a date. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so exactly. It's coming, it's coming. Okay, awesome. So uh, this is great. It has been a great conversation. Is there any last words that you want to leave uh, our audience with? Um, and uh, so the kind of people who listen to this, a lot of people who are in different discords that are 
you know that I'm part of uh, would listen um, my Twitter audience and and uh, I have a big audience on LinkedIn as well who are a lot of them are new to this space completely new um, people listen to this from banks and you know a lot of uh, um, you know like I said law firms and and people who who are like just starting in this space so so if any any words that you have for people coming into the space um, yeah I think now is the perfect time to come in right when you know, the froth uh, is now gone, right? Uh, you can come in, you can get involved in projects, but discords uh, aren't as focused on price, right? Like people are, that are sticking around or people that are there for the community. I, I think one of the most interesting things about NFT NYC last week uh, that I saw from, from watching and, and hearing about the events is the community, right? And like, even though prices are down so much, people still showed up. And people were still happy to be there, which I think is super interesting because that just, it just means that like, this is when like the real communities are made. And like, again, because people aren't focused on price, people are focused on doing cool and innovative things. And that's where like the real, um, the next bull market is going to be born out of this, out of all, all the cool things that are happening now and the groundwork's being laid now is going to really pop off um, in the next few years. Uh, once uh, the once once people start getting interested again, right, um, into the tech because the tech isn't going anywhere because the tech is super important for you know self sovereignty in the future and you know digital asset rights and all these things that are super important uh, to humans to human beings in the real world that will be equally as important in the digital world. Amazing, that was really helpful. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with G-Money. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and keep an eye out for my next podcast interview with him coming very soon. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show.